I'm Tim Hopkins, and this is Freaky Trigger and the Lollards of Pop. Well, chums, it's Eurovision Day. And Eurovision, as we all know, is football by another means. Which, as we know, is war by another means. And uh, uh, once again, war will be raged by another means across Europe this afternoon. Um, And this evening, I suppose. The lights are all going out. The lights will be going out <laughs> apart the from in the stage area. Um, Dave Cameron might be enjoying it, uh, but whether that's because he hates Europe or just likes the Smiths, none of us will be able to tell until maybe we ask him, which we're not going to do today. Today, we kind of are. We're not going to ask Dave Cameron. We kind of are. But we're asking spoilers. him the question. He he has to answer. In order to impose some order on proceedings, <laughs> for the first time, I'm going to ask <laughs> our last. guests this afternoon <laughs> to introduce themselves. We have Al Ewing. Hello. Alex Campbell. Good afternoon. Mark Sinker. Hello. And behind the desk of power, Steve Hewitt. Good afternoon, everybody. And today, you probably won't have intuited we're going to be wondering about pop and politics and maybe even talking about it and we're hoping that by some point in the future the very near future we will have worked out what constitutes a fascist groove thing let's ask Kevin 17 about it Brothers, 
Groove Thang. Sorry, brackets, we don't need this. Brackets, Fascist Groove Thang by Heaven17 from, I think, 1981. Mm-hmm. I bought that record when it came out. I bought it on 7-inch single. Yeah, I have it on 7-inch. So. I wasn't rich enough to buy the 12-inch with the extended mix. Actually, I think they released the 12-inch and the 7-inch in exactly, the, the, obviously not the same format, but the sa- exactly the same stuff came on 12 and 7. Yeah, and you I think you're right. It's not, there isn't, it, there may have been a remix and the LP version might be different, but a political uh, move in and of itself, so fans could simply a choose. reactionary move. <laughs> <laughs> that record was brought in for your pleasure and ours by Alex Campbell. Alex, tell us about fascist groove thing by Heaven Seventeen. What on earth is it talking about? Well, I'm not entirely sure, but I think it's about Heaven Seventeen not liking fascism and saying that we don't need it. But they appear to have equated fascism with groove and thangs, and they're saying don't don't dance to fascism, and I'm a bit lost now. Are they trying to say that the the act of disco dancing is a fascist act? Cause I think uh, they are. I think they're saying it risks being one, unless there, there are clever lyrics over the top. By someone who went to a polytechnic. <laughs> <laughs> is it not really just being not allowed into f- fancy clubs, though? I don't think that was, big, that was such a big issue as early as that. The, the, the 
issue with um, being kicked out of clubs for having, you know, being the wrong person became a bigger thing later than that. I don't think that was at that stage. Right. And it does mention Reagan being president-elect. Reagan. 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 <laughs> Reagan. Reagan, from, Reagan the, from the professionals. Caroline yes. Reagan out of uh, All About Heath. Yes. At that point, president-elect of the fascist group <laughs> organisation or something. I'm not. I'm not sure. It's. I'm not sure. It's concentrating too heavily on, um, on on the politics of disco, but more the disco of politics. Ah. Hey, <laughs> you have to explain that properly. No, since really, it doesn't, in fact, mean anything <laughs> at all. I'm not really sure. What I mean, <laughs> but I, I don't think they're worrying about not not getting into nightclubs. I think they're more worrying worrying about the rise of the of the right across the world. Fair enough. And pop being kind of thoughtless, sort of happily going on as this is happening. And therefore, you have to bring some sort of thought and possibly even theory into back into pop because, although back as if it had been there had been tons of it prior to some some <laughs> weird point that none of us can quite remember, in order to make it better. I'm, I well, as a child, I just assumed that they were talking about fascism and they were making a some kind of strange equation with it being a groove thing. Where there wasn't really any groove involved, it was just about evil men with racist views spreading all across the land, as they say in the second line of the song. Mm. I kind of thought it was more to do with not wanting to go to places where they played rubbish music. Really? And they decided to call rubbish music, in their opinion, fascist, fascist groove. groove but it, I mean, it's very it's divided in that sense. If it is, because obviously the thing that it it this isn't jangly indie, in order to resist the um, evils of um, the funk beat playing some other kind of music what they're doing is although I've, I mean listening to it now it seems like, like a ton of sort of silly noises on the top <laughs> and I believe Mark King's awesome thumb underneath <laughs> all the I'm way from the Isle of Wight I'm still not convinced I mean yes okay I, I admit I, yes I feel like it, it must be because I, I'm thinking that and I know it and uh, he is my god but I'm also thinking, actually, I might have forgotten it because it was all a very long time ago and I've got confused again. Because it, it just seems a bit early to be Mark King to me because I, I, don't th I think of Level 42 as like 84, 85. Yeah, but he was making records and being a sort of bit of a session dude before Level 42. Being a thumb for hire. Yeah, he made records under <laughs> the name Thunder Thumbs, as I recall. I'm Come pretty there. sure Level 42 existed then as well. I think they're... I think they're um, their first big LP is called something like The Studio Tapes, and I think that's from 1980. Mm -hmm. When they were just level 39. <laughs> <laughs> we could make this whole hour me trying to remember <laughs> stuff yeah, about, about level Mark 42. King, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> in a sense, that would be more political than any other position. In, in a sense. In what sense <laughs> would that be more political than any other Does such a thing as a fascist group thing exist? Did it at the time? Were there a lot of pop groups who were openly espousing quite fascist or or, or even you know heavily heavily right wing views? I mean, this was you said 1981. Yeah. Oh yeah. So we're we're kind of. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, it's it, where was Oi at this point? I mean, this there was certainly this is kind of a high point for Oi actually at the very early 80s. And but I mean, I'm not sure if you would call them groove, pop groups or indeed groove or indeed yes. I mean, they were sort of like rapid trap thang, machines, really, weren't they? Manner. <laughs> no, no, it was definitely a thing. <laughs> it was definitely a thing. Yeah. Let's be adults first. Yes. 
Everybody's got a thing. Some people know how to handle it. Stevie Wonder <laughs> said that. Um, well, don't well, worry was, about that. Of course, there, there also had been um, there had been that little rash of, of established rock stars uh, saying ill-advised right-wing nonsense. At some uh, time ago, the through the course of the late seventies, mid seventies, really. Such yeah. as David Bowie, seventy-five, yeah. seventy-five. But that's quite he was just waving to a friend. He was just waving to that. That is his friend. Yeah. Eric Clapton. He was Clapton. One. Clapton was is obviously inexcusable. What did Clapton say? Clapton is good. It was something about business. Arabs in Harrods, wasn't it? And, like and Enoch had it right, was yeah. certainly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Him. But the <laughs> yeah, key no, it's point not, the it's not as if it can be like, oh, it missing, he was misinterpreted. He wasn't misinterpreted. No, no. He was off his face, but he wasn't Well, as, as was Barry. I mean, Barry maintains that he was talking about the architecture and <laughs> nothing else, <laughs> but he was full of everything at that point. So, <laughs> But, but that, ha- that was all a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that's in, like, in this, pop yeah. terms, that's six years before, so it really isn't like a record about them. No. If we're, if we're still talking about M17, they weren't talking about Bowie and Clapton. Although, no. although Bowie surely um, loomed large in the, uh, in the psyches of M17 and their, their, their sort of um, electronic and neuromantic chums. I mean, doesn't... It, it's it's not yeah I mean, the, the I, mean linkage, I think yeah. that linkage of, of pop and politics was surely there in in their minds because it the, must have been the, a hot I issue. I think the 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 fear at the end of the seventies was that somehow pop music in was some sort of notionally a, a sphere of resistance to whatever the establishment was and where the establishment could go, and that somehow there was some risk that it was going to kind of dance itself into either ignoring something terrible that was happening or actually being the the um the soundtrack to it and that this all of this project was a project of saying like okay let's let's stop this now and let's make music which which actually is is clear about it but there's also in heaven 17's terms there's actually there's a split in a group Hmm. where one side is going in one direction and one side is going in another and i think heaven 17 are are saying um, that's there's a bit too much kind of um, uh, comics and sci-fi going on in this thing, and this is a kind of like white robot music which we want to do something other than. So there's two things that they're saying no to, which are not really to do with the wider politics at all. They're to do with actually what happens when groups split is that they both go to the far ends of the the thing which was the combined chemistry when they were together. Does that make sense? Yes, I think, I think it, it does. does. Yes. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so <laughs> I'm I'm interested in I'm interested in I know that you are marking the idea of, of pop as a uh, as a uh, a space for resistance of the man whoever hmm. the man may be. Um that that seems that seems a pretty potent idea in pop. Um, and I know it's something you've been thinking about a bit. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I, the reason I've been thinking about it is I specifically had to write a review of a film called Soul Power, which is about the uh, the big fight, the rumble in the jungle, the Ali Foreman fight in 74 in Zaire, which was a big um, black political spectacle, which was probably more about showbiz than politics, but it wasn't not about politics. And in the film that's been made, which is from the footage of the 
that was made of the fight, really. There was a documentary called When We Were Kings about ten years ago. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of off-cuts from that. Film made at the time, turned into a, a film about this big show, which was in Kinshasa, and James Power Brown was the was headlining the big raft of black stars. Stokely Carmichael is actually present in the film very briefly. Stokely uh, Carmichael being a... a, a one of the major movers in the Black Panthers, who well, not no, he wasn't a Panther actually. He was he um, was uh, the um, uh, they were called SNCC. S N C C. What's it stand? The the Student Something Coordinating Committee, which was uh, and he's the person who popularised the term Black Power in the mid sixties. In fact, his first autobiography, first part of his autobiography, was called Black Power. And uh, he wasn't actually, strictly speaking, a panther, although he was towards that mm. end of the spectrum by the end of the 60s. And SNCC was the, um, the essentially the student movement of uh, civil rights organising in the South and then the group, the organisation that came to the North to organise, um, well, Black Power, mm-hmm. to, as the, his, his shorthand for it. And the film is called Soul Power, which is the name of a James Brown song from 1971 and the thing that interested me was uh, we'll get there in a minute was essentially that, it, that I think when they were making the film they're thinking that soul power is a kind of euphemism for black power and as I was thinking about it and writing about it I was thinking no it's actually in James Brown's very strange oblique way it's actually a critique of the idea of black power so let's hear it and see what you think, listeners. No, we need it so far. We got to hand it so far. No, we want it so far. The hand it so far. Give it to me so far. We need it so far. We want it so far. Yeah, you're right. 
Power by James With Brown. Soul Power Parts 1 and 2, Ooh. according to the MP3 I found, but I, I think it's actually only part 1, and uh, it was released, parts 1, 2, and 3, as the single. But I don't quite it? know how that works, because I didn't get it as a single. The famous triangular single thing. Yeah. <laughs> what was that about then, Mark? Well, it's about Soul Power, isn't it? Dude. What's Soul uh, Power? Well... This is what I think this song is actually about. It's not a euphemism for black power because James Brown was a bit suspicious of that. He was uh, a businessman, it's fair to say. And uh, as the person who is at the apex of the school of soul, he didn't call himself the king of soul or the lord of soul or the emperor of soul. He called himself something which is quite an interesting thing to call himself. He called himself the godfather of soul, which um, is not uh, a totally affirmative title to take for yourself, I don't think, <laughs> given that it was you know, in the early 70s when the word godfather didn't just mean someone who stood at the christening, not quite sure what their job was. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that the the first line which is not to do with uh soul power we gotta need it soul power we gotta have it is i want to get under your skin if i get there i've got to win and i think under your skin is a really interesting he's not someone who doesn't think about words he's not someone who's associated with being a great sort of um a book learned man who was um uh able to write a great press release but he's someone who actually thought about words a lot. I think he thinks about them in terms of uh, conversation or argument or quarrels, as it were, in the street. But he is, he's actually someone who is, in some senses, really on top of how words work, but not in the sense that all of us might be more comfy with, which is how words work in books or they work in magazines or something like that. These aren't written words. They're shouted words or spoken words or sung words. He doesn't tend to use many words, actually. He, he uses a lot of repetition, yeah. and and that is something that some hold against him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I want to get under your skin. The thing about black and white as... Uh, uh, a metaphor for politics is that it really is about skin. Mm-hmm. So as soon as you're saying I want to get under your skin, you're saying I want to get in in sort of deep to what makes us actually people, as opposed to get, what yeah. makes us black. And and I think that's you know he's not he's he was never someone who whose politics was directly confrontational in the sense that the Heaven Seventeen thing is like standing up and saying a very specific thing. It's something you could sort of build a political party around it would be mm-hmm. rather a weird political party but you could you yeah. could they have a message a line yeah. 
and his thing was always very very oblique in terms of it's like he's saying here I am and here stand I but what he is is something you have to find out by being part of his project you couldn't you couldn't read it on the label really and but that's that's what's really I think that's what's really interesting about the word soul is it sounds like it's a a shortcut to something but I don't think it's a, I think it's actually a, it's a really 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 deep word Mm-hmm. So now someone else must talk. We've been talking <laughs> the last half. Now. No, I, I, I was thinking, um, <laughs> you know, in, in respect to that, with um, um, say it loud and black and proud, mm. which was, would be the maybe the exception to that. In, in his that work? was it was he released two bit? two songs around that time, which I think is sixty eight or sixty nine, and one of them is called I'm an American, and the other is called Say It Loud and Black and I'm Proud. Mm-hmm. And I'm an American got all like the Panthers and the black nationalists and the white radicals as well. And the angry hippies and the anti-war crowd, very angry because <laughs> he's saying I'm American. And they were sort of saying, hang on, we're not sure if we are because mm-hmm. look at what America's doing. And then his next release was Say It Loud, I'm Black and I'm Proud. And that upset the other half of his. <laughs> who, and he, I mean, essentially in America, this didn't happen in Britain, but in America... His uh, his audiences has always, had always been a, a, an obvious mix of black and white. He'd always mm-hmm. been popular on both with both halves of the community, and after that, his audiences were always hugely predominantly black. That he essentially frightened off, uh, not necessarily for racist reasons, just people thinking, "Hang on, I'm not terribly sure if I want to risk this, whatever mm-hmm. this was." Mm-hmm. And in the in terms of the politics of America at that time this was quite a big deal and uh, so that was his announcement, it, I mean it is his black power announcement in a sense but he doesn't really ever put it in, in radical terms, he thinks of it more as well uh, okay I'll finish the thought <laughs> if only then I'm going to talk for another quarter of an hour his, his deal was that um, it was important that black people in America own themselves that they mm-hmm. weren't owned by someone else anymore. They were someone by owning themselves. And I think he always thought of that in capitalist terms, mm. that you you own yourself, you own your business, you own your house, you own the the space around you, and that that gives you uh, a position from which to contribute on equal terms to everyone else. So getting back to soul power mm. in particular... Um, I'm I'm interested in if 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 there isn't an explicit political agenda in the words I'm interested in uh, how our other panelists feel about the form is that if we if we have to be inside the record to understand what it means how does it feel to be inside that record and and what does it mean to you to be to be sitting in a rather warm room listening to it so I'd stop moving your feet to the beat Really? To the funky beat. <laughs> he wins. Um, it's well, it's it's funk. Funk as a form is sort of it's two things at once. On the one hand, it's very, it's very free. It's very flowing. You sort of my. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, listeners. I've just been subjected to a sight. Um, that's driven all over. Yeah, for head. those of you at home, um, Mr. Sinko has just taken his jumper off and slightly exposed himself. Slightly. Was that um, my tummy? It was only his tummy. Moving on, but you've got the you've got the kind of free flowing nature of the um, the slightly jazzy nature of um, 
old funk, and you know, you, you you very much can't listen to it without sort of wanting to move about a bit and uh, get quite funky. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the other hand, the exact opposite makes you want to sit down and read a book. <laughs> I hate it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> on the other hand, it's um, to to borrow from the commitments. It's a very four cornered thing. It's um, boom, 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 and you're round again for another couple of hundred repeats of the same phrase and in the in James Brown case the same uh, the same verbal phrase yeah he actually um, I mean the interesting thing is he actually says more than you think he does but he does repeat a lot as well well he, he drives it in he you know <laughs> wants down. to make sure you get his message get yeah get, get down a lot mm. um so yeah so it's it's two things at once it's both uh, very constrained and very um very free what political thing this means I have no idea, and I'm hoping Mark will tell me. Well, I, I mean, I think that that's a good summary of it. It, it. He is, I think, someone who embodies a contradiction because he's someone who had a a really interesting and complex realization of how he could represent a community, which wasn't that he was a figurehead divesting himself of the problems of the community, but it's that he's someone who actually embodies the whole community including all the contradictions in it and it's quite hard to think of other figures who are more self-evidently contradictory I mean he's someone who's very religious but both the beginning and the end of his career he spent quite a long significant time in prison he's um, notoriously uh, controlling controlling I was saying earlier that he was the fascist groove thing well, I mean, the way he ran, he ran his, uh, he ran the band in in quite a sort of military, military way, into, in, including in physical ways. And I, I, I was quite pleased we actually played it till the point where Fred Wesley, the trombonist, actually plays his little mm-hmm. um, solo, and he says it's not very easy to hear, but he says play it, Fred, as he much more often later did with Maceo. But and Wesley had probably, almost certainly, actually arranged that song. Which is a bit of a second-tier James Brown song. It's not one of his most famous songs, mm-hmm. even though it's been made the title of this thing. And uh, in Cynthia Rose's um, book on Brown, she got Fred Wesley, who went to um, join the George Parliament Clinton Funkadelic organization. She, she got him basically to say some, you know, quite uh, aggressively critical things about how difficult James Brown was and how impossible he was as a person. He didn't ever want to work with him again. In fact, he didn't ever want to be in the same room as him again. But that, you know, what he'd done was unique and remarkable and he had built the whole thing from absolutely nothing because he was born... He was born in a broken family. His mum left before he could speak, I think. Grew up in a whorehouse. Was in prison by the time he was 15. You know, he could read. So he wasn't, like, absolutely the bottom. But but he was... He wasn't... He started quite far behind. I'm I'm always a little bit sceptical about um, accounts of what nasty... Uh, employers, former employers were, because frankly, if you asked me about any of my former bosses, <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would give you chapter and verse about how much I hated them, and, uh, and, and, and actually, that's not entirely true, but in, in a lot of cases, you know, some uh, uh, perceived slights, and particularly under-rewarding for hard work, mm. um, grows grows in retrospect, in my belief, and and it's certainly true that, you know, big big lumps of James Brown's band all tootled off to the rather more decadent and free and easy surrounds of the Parliament Funkadelic Organisation and the 
fucked it up in in a in a a, a whole other a whole other um space of um music slash politics slash slash fiction slash black community that we're not going to get into right now mark you'll be delighted <laughs> to hear because otherwise we would have to we be would, here for the rest so of the year yeah certainly um but it, it it's it's an interesting contradiction and one that i think bears a little bit of thinking about where um you know we as listeners maybe invest quite a lot of time and effort and belief into artists as as political entities or 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 pop as a political space where we where, where um we, we think some resistance to the man whoever the man may be at any given point is happening but actually in a lot of cases and James Brown's probably a good case uh the people who we're investing in may very well be behaving rather a lot like the man not necessarily sending people off to war but certainly exploiting and um certainly ex- exploiting and making profit out of and under rewarding and um I, I i worry and wonder about how much we trust our pop practitioners because we really want them to be uh we really want them to be people we can believe in but this is where we come on to what you were talking before um sorry listeners to talk about stuff that was happening in the pub but where we were talking about phil ox and how he was the dylan who was more political because he wasn't as good as dylan <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's not what well, I said. That was, that was, that no, was that's the, that possibly was, my line. That may have been, <laughs> yes, that may have been what I took from the discussion we 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 had previously. But if we're talking about kind of, um, sorry, I'm a bit lost now. Um, if we're talking about um, politics versus, uh, you know, pops, no. pops a political space. Yes, but it's not necessarily a space where you can find a coherent political program. Exactly, mixing pop and politics. He asked me what the use is. And? I offered him embarrassment and my usual excuses. That was a quotation, I'm assuming, from... Uh, 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 Mr. Billiam of Bragg. Lord, <laughs> Lord Billiam of Bragg. Um, and his song, The Great Leap Forward, which nice. we're not going to hear now. But That is a shame. Steve, I saw you queuing up another record. I was I was queuing up your record. My record? Is that a good record to queue up now? Or no, it's we... not, actually. I think we okay. should... I think we need to cut to uh, give us all a, a bit of a break from the breather. yabbering and perhaps a bit of uh, hearted fun a bit of, a bit of, <laughs> a bit of light-hearted fun light-hearted seems fun, like, okay seems, seems we can do that. of course now Mr Ewing yeah, I've um, speaking of pop and politics and how they mix uh, we've been talking about how uh, musicians um, get involved in politics uh, we've not been talking about how politicians get involved in music and how they use that and uh, I was I was thinking about this because recently um, the the music that politicians like has become more and more as as their actual substance has decreased um, more and more and they've become lying sacks of filth. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because they were never that in the old days. They were never that in the old days, but they, it's it's it seems to become more and more. It's probably just I'm getting older, but it seems to become more and more obvious with every passing. They don't even try and hide it anymore. Um, but now I think they've been trying to hide it quite hard. <laughs> well, been oh yeah, good point. To, yeah. Failing to hide it. Well, especially now. Yeah, now they've really been failing. Anyway, the point is that <laughs> their choice of music seems to be more important than ever before. Um, it's probably more us as voters who demand this sort of information. Uh, but it occurred to me that it might be interesting to hear the um, the favourite songs as told to the media of various 
heads of state, mostly current, but um, well, heads of state and heads of their parties, mostly current, but uh, some from the mists of time. Some classics. Some classics, yes. Uh, and sure. yeah, and Shall we start with the first one. Let's name, start with the first one. They're, in, they're in a sort okay. of random order. Random order. It's quite moody. I'm imagining we'll probably know what most of these songs are. Yeah, well, we'll know what most of these songs yes. are. I'm probably happy to tell you. This is uh, Ready or Not by the Fugees. I've never noticed the stereo soundscaping on this one. Yeah, quite, it's very good, isn't it? Oh, very rubbish. <laughs> That's another way of putting it. So what? I think this is uh, Putin's favourite song. Putin's? What, ready or not, here I come with some polonium. <laughs> I'm going to make you ingester. Or indeed with half the Red Army into Georgia. But. Yeah. Or indeed yeah. Alaska. Well, any any other guesses? Uh, now, when did this come out? Uh, 94, 95-ish, 96. Uh, the... the the time it came out isn't always a clue because obviously these politicians will want to appear yes. modern yet it's classic. It's a bit of a clue. It wasn't Napoleon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's, yeah. It's not Lincoln. Scratch his names off this. Thatcher. No, no. no. <laughs> we, know, we know what Thatcher is. We know. Unless when we it's get a new. Yeah. We'll know um, when we get to that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm thinking. Is it something something dreadful like? Um, oh, I don't know. David Owen or something. David's radio not here. No, I know. I was, was going to say, say one of the Miller bands. I'm going to give you a clue. It's not someone from this country. Okay. Uh, it's one one of the Yanks. Is it? And it's it's yeah. It's quite a big clue that. It's well, an, no, it's it's an American, American presidential want. Yeah, but uh, these days. <laughs> not president elect. No, Conde it's Conde not Ronald Reagan. <laughs> it's not Ronald Reagan. It's not Conde. I'm going to put you out of your misery. Yes, it's please, please. It's Obama. Um, oh, really? He gave to Rolling Stone his top ten, and this was at number one. So um, what do people make of that? How does this uh, affect the Obama brand? I mean, at the time, he was in the race, not uh, in the office. So there's a sort of ready or not, here I come. You yeah. can't hide from my socialism. Well, I yeah. would say that that stereo panning does does reflect his bipartisan. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite. Um, we might be reading a touch too much into that one, even yeah. from the, um, the the wonks of the Democrat Party. I think it's a good choice. I mean, it's not a bad choice. It's not a bad it's song. People, it's, people, you know, most people find it bearable. I think. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think it's his actual favourite, or is he lying? Is the other question I want well, to ask about Well, I think that. I mean, you know, this is the essentially it. People say what their favourite is with their press officer saying, No, no, don't, <laughs> yeah, no for goodness one. sake, don't mention screwdriver ever again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think the, the, the classic example of that was um, was when Liam Fox said he liked the um, Scissor Sisters, wasn't it? It was just like Tory Central Office going into meltdown. What would you see? I'm a bit uh, disappointed, actually. I would, have, I would have hoped he had. Uh, I would have. Uh, you know, he, he I seems seem to, to be so sure this. this this ten and thinking there was there was some quite interesting things in it, but it was quite cautious. Was it was it not McCain's that had two ABBA songs? Yeah, McCain's had two, whoa, whoa, if not whoa, three whoa, spoilers. ABBA songs. Oh no! Spoilers for the rest of the quiz. <laughs> sorry, so you should. We should. If you'd give <laughs> yeah. me a list, um, I'm not going to give you a list. No, sorry. we'd have we'd have known straight away. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Should we? Should we? Yeah. On move, moving to the next one. Oh, these politicians—they're so ca- clever, aren't they? Aren't they though? Yeah, anyway, this is uh, Ch-Ch-Changes by David Bowie. Changes, do you see? Changes. Yeah, a bit of a 
bit of a story behind this one, but I'll invite you to guess the man Is first. Is this Cameron? <laughs> no, no, it's not Cameron. <laughs> Ever since I started this show like that, you're all, you're all waiting for the camera on <laughs> We know what the camera is. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Um, I do. Well, you've um, heard the papers, presumably. Um, yeah, obviously this is somebody who's in opposition, because our yeah. changes. Yes, yes. Is it Nick Clegg? It is Nick Clegg. Oh, um, and the in. story here is that this was one of the big mistakes that the Telegraph said that he made um, when he took over leadership of the Liberal Party from some withered corpse or other. <laughs> um, anyway, he, uh, he made some mistake on Radio 4 that I can't remember. But he went on Radio 5 Live and somebody asked him what his favourite album was and he said, oh, it's Changes by David Bowie. Not realising that that's a song. Ah. Well, there, there, is, there is a compilation album. There's a best of. called Changes. But they said compilations don't count. So it's a very sort of muso way of... Uh, so yeah, he alienated all musos everywhere with that. The, the thing about songs like that that I always... Um, the other thing I'm suspicious of, I mean, one is that the press officer has vetted it very carefully, yeah. but the other is that people, unlike ourselves, are who are busy and actually have quite a lot to do running a party, even a small party which is, hasn't run the country for <laughs> nearly a century, more than a century, nearly a century, um, are only really listening to a bit of the chorus. So they're, they're listening in the kind of news, news night soundtrack kind of way of using a record, which is that some tiny little bit of the line that jumps out at you is being used as a headline for mm-hmm. the story. And that actually, if you know the song quite well, it casts a really weird and lurid light on the story they're trying to tell if you think this is the whole of the song is somehow meant to be commenting on it. Yeah. Born in the USA being the classic. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah although there's a ton of ones on Newsnight pretty much every night. Because <laughs> yeah. it's like they never listen to more than the first line. Time to move on. Oh. Fair enough. Um, I was going to quickly ask... Time not to move on, then. Time not to move on. I was going to quickly ask, um, is it important to the panel, quick yes or no, should our politicians have any knowledge of music at all? They should is have more knowledge than us, otherwise how can we respect <laughs> them? It yeah, doesn't matter. Not. There you go, Tim. You're the deciding vote here. I think I have to agree with Alex. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I don't really want to. Here so uh, vote, vote for Nick Clegg, everybody, even though he's useless. What have we got next, then? This is a bit. Oh, oh yeah, here we go. It's you two with the streets have no name. Oh, dear. Oh, no, we don't have to listen to this, do we? we well, all you know said how it what goes. it is. You said what yeah. it is. We, oh, could we know how it goes. Switch the Petrol yeah. Boys version if we've got that. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we have. Oh, well. Is it a UK politician? It's a UK politician. Is it Gordon Brown? No. Is it Alex Salmond? No. Is it... Um, Ian not, Paisley? Not currently, ser- <laughs> not currently serving. You were very close with Brown. You were very close. What was that bloke you were Blair. It's it Blair. Blair. Yes, it's Blair. How can it... The, Blair. the only reason that the streets have no names where he's from is because they've all got bloody... They're just... Don't swear on the radio. <laughs> it's because they're estates. They're, they're estates, not yes. I said bloody doesn't work. Where the estates I would also have accepted because they've been bombed. Yeah. <laughs> as an answer. Uh, Steve. Thank you. Yeah, can we stop? Yeah. That's yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> what does this tell us about Tony Blair? Is he. Is he Again, is he I telling would be the very, truth? Is he lying? What would be worse? Of, of I would be very suspicious that that's actually his favourite song. That's he does a song. like his rock music, though, doesn't he, with his little band? It's a song that he knows is not going to... Offend. Yeah. Offend, the, the great yes. body of the yeah. people. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't mind offending yeah. people in this room. Right. 
And, he and in, fact, it, yeah. in fact, yes, he rather likes it. Offending the cognoscenti and whatever, that's fine. And picking Bongo to offend the cognoscenti. Well, I think I, I, I think it, I think it's, it's it's probably more likely that he that he that he heads towards the um the the, the Floyd end if he was being really yeah. if he was being really truthful. I mean that that's always Alan Alan Johnson's line about it that when when Alan Johnson was in a proper mod band mm-hmm. and left school to be in a proper mod band, he was like, yeah, Ugly Room is just a bunch of university layabout fops. Was mm-hmm. basically his line on it. Mm-hmm. Although I I don't know if anybody's ever dug up any of the. I've always assumed they were more kind of pub rocky sort of review pub rock. If that, I, if that's I do remember, no, I think they. they I, think I they, don't think I they think were Floydy. I think they were. I think they were early seventies pop prog. I think they would have been a lot progger if they'd have had more chops. That yeah, my yeah, I, which leads them down the. Mm, the, the I think the, everyone is the, reading into them what their actual prejudices are, and <laughs> and then turning. Well, the well, well I mean, <laughs> well, the, the next time we see Mark Allen, yeah. we'll have to ask him. That's yeah. the only sensible way. Um, maybe he'll be in the pub after. Maybe he will. Yeah. Is, this, is this still Bongo if I moved on? Oh no, this isn't Bongo, lovely. Thank the Lord for that. This sounds like... Oh, oh, that's all right, boys. Wait a minute. I'm yeah, you might want to move on 30 seconds to Solomus to actually get oh, to the song. No. I don't I think I can do that. Oh, here we go. Yeah. It's uh, Harry Lauder with uh, Go Right On To The End Of The Road. Or oh, well, I know this one. Yeah, well, you think uh, you do, but it's a trick question because there's ah. actually two politicians whose favourite this was. One ancient, one modern. Oh, well, it was definitely Thatcher. No, it wasn't no, definitely wasn't Thatcher. Wasn't it? No. I thought it was Thatcher. No, we Thatcher, know the answer to Thatcher, answer. even though she's know. never heard the record. Yes, but I thought that she... Did Did she not have this as well? On, this is another total, like, ah, politician, ah, keep yeah, right onto the, the end, end, end of the road. road. Well, I will, I will tell you, this isn't the answer I'm looking for, but it was Churchill's yeah, favourite I was, song. I, a bit, so I mean, what... What politician, Keep right the end of the <laughs> what, what politician claimed, <laughs> out of the blue, as though he'd never heard that it was Churchill's favourite song? Um, I'll give you a clue that they're, they're serving as a head of state right now. Putin. No, and he's not Scottish. And he's Scottish. I don't know. Maybe it could be Gordon Brown. Yes, who knows? Yes, I, think, I think you'll find the Queen's the head of state right at the moment. <laughs> oh just a point, just yeah. a point yeah. of the p- p- pedantry there, but you know, just saying, like... Sorry, Sorry can um, we just have a bit more Harry for now? Dear yeah. Lord, I've let my true yeah, Republican colour show that. Harry Lauder, not Harry Lauder, but I might be wrong about that. I think Harry Lauder as well. Well, whichever. Well. Okay, Harry thingy. Um, um, so yeah, Gordon Brown. Um, why? Well, it's pretty obvious why. But uh, is that? Do you think that's his real favourite song? I don't think he's very keen on music. Yeah, I think he's unbothered by music. Yeah, so I think you know the sound of a beat and smashing. And to be honest, it seems to me, if one. you have no interest in music at all, you are entitled to choose absolutely whatever you like. Mm-hmm. So he could have come up with the cheeky girls. Yeah, but the, like chi- the cheeky girls are thought of spoken for. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. one is. One is, but yeah, even so, it's an endorsement. <laughs> it's well, an endorsement <laughs> it's of an endorsement a person of with Lambert. a funny name in another party. <laughs> yes. Uh, sorry, we we better um, crack on. Should we, yeah. we do one more? Oh, yeah. oh there's two more left. Okay. Yeah, let's. Right, we know what this. <laughs> oh no, there's three more. Sorry. Oh. What the I don't know, know what this is. This is Telstar uh, by the Tornadoes. Oh, oh it's Joe Meeks. Awesome oh, it's just. Joe Meeks' favourite. I, I normally only hear it from kind of here. Yeah, likewise. 
the, I think the beginning bit, that is the proper beginning bit, all that so atmospheric. This, this is a sound of what could be robot children being murdered. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Whose who's favourite song is this? This is famously, Margaret Thatcher said, this, it's not the only song she claimed as her favourite. But it's no, the other one that's is, quite a biggie. It's what's the more famous what's one. the other one? How much is that, that doggy in, in the window? window? No, there's another really strange <laughs> one, an 80s it. one, which she said on, and I can't even remember. Oh, is it on Saturday Superstore? Yeah, and it, it's something like, as it were, in the charts at that moment. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. actually Kajagoogoo, but it is in that territory. Mm-hmm. Is it Le Mans, Never Ending Story? <laughs> that would be a good that would be great and I I don't I this is one where I suspect I uh, she's another person who I think didn't care about music at all mm. and that this was Just an advisor said why not say that because it has no very especially words. in the 80s it has no words it has no terribly clear baggage it's not linked to anything, any musical... And all of the story about genre. what Joe Meek was actually like was very, very... Um, what well, the fact that he was gay and he shot his landlady with a shotgun, mm-hmm. <laughs> which are two things I think she was probably not hundred percent pro. Up. They weren't actually part of her party. <laughs> she, she was actually fairly keen on the private rented sector, as I recall. <laughs> yeah, that's right, and not not having the uh, the tenants. But but it, it, has off. A, it has quite a cross generational appeal as well. I mean, it's the sort it's of a thing great that, song, you know yeah. by yeah, by exactly. the by the early eighties, you know people. It'll have had it'll have had twenty odd years of people going. Oh, that's quite nice. Yes, yes. Which it is. It's great, yeah. No, great I mean, I think in in press advisor terms, it's it's a good it's a good choice because there aren't any stray words that are going to come back and haunt you. <laughs> no. and, and it's about Telstar, so it's about sort of you know the technology that brings us together and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Progress. Good choice, Paggy. Yes. One more. Yeah. One more. Go on. <laughs> Yeah, we know. Oh, we've, already answered, we've already answered this one. Yeah, yes. it's McCain. Should we, we have the yeah, last one? Yeah, it's McCain. So go on. <laughs> there's, actually, there's actually two more, but uh, there? we okay. could get either one. Oh, here we go, yeah. Oh, no, there's only one more because I think I took Eaton Rifles off it in the end. Good choice. I like this. So, who's, who's was this? Which, which version of Dixie is this? Um, is well, we couldn't get the version this person actually listened to because recording equipment had not been invented at that time <laughs> but uh, this is I don't know it's it's as close to how it would have sounded as I could possibly find on iTunes in, <laughs> within within, within the 20 minutes two minutes, minutes yes. within the two minutes I'll have myself so it would be um, some old American General Robert some, E. Lee no no the answer may surprise you but it's around that Kennedy era no it's not uh, Kennedy Lincoln Yes, it was Lincoln. Um, I it was only it was only when the Civil War was raging that it became press release thinking again. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, but he also was he was born in Kentucky, I believe. Um, when I was driving, when I was being driven through Kentucky last year, there were there was somewhere that said birthplace of Lincoln down there, and then he his family he, moved, moved quite early yeah, up, Illinois, up yeah. through um, Indiana and lived in Indiana for quite a while, and then moved to Illinois. Thank you. What what Excellent. song, if Blinker was around today, what song do you think he'd pick, or his press artist, his press guy would pick? That'd be some kind of dirty South hip hop. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, it would be. <laughs> the spirit of Lincoln is alive today. I think you'll find. Oh, it'd be yeah. something by Toby Keith. 
it could be something. Speaking, speaking of which, Dear it's, Lord. it's, it's oh. interesting how we how we are all um, we're assuming that that our politicians would uh, would try and look for something that they agree with, and it's interesting the extent to which to which I am interested in the extent to which people will consume or not consume music according to whether they find their own views reflected in. Um, in the music they listen to, you know, why is it more fun to listen to something you agree with than uh, listen to something that you actually don't necessarily politically agree with? And but is it? I, I think. I mean, I think there's there's actually quite a sharp split which we've already uh, delineated in the discussion, and that's between people who listen to music a lot and people who listen to it in a quite a sort of casual, casual way. Uh, distracted way. And I think people who listen to it a lot, in fact, don't. Uh, follow that line at all and uh, to be honest I was I was discussing James Brown a, a bit in that vein I think um, his politics and the politics of his listeners and the politics of his community have a very complicated relationship which mm -hmm. he is somewhat aware of because as I was arguing he him and his group and whatever represent the whole of those the entirety of those contradictions mm -hmm. and that's that's what funk is about but you know I think that Toby Keith's fans are are split between the ones who assume he's a big Republican booster and aren't listening very carefully, and the people who know a lot about music who don't assume that. I have a question for Mr. Hewitt. Hello. What percentage of Billy Bragg's uh, what percentage of attendees at whatever the last Billy Bragg concert you went to mm -hmm. was do you think actively disagreed with his political positions? Very few. I thought you were going to say a bad word then. <laughs> Very, few. Very few. I mean, I, th I, I, I mean, just just looking around at the appropriate points, are you when he's playing the really obviously, you know, when it's Power in the Union or um, or uh, the the one about the, the, the one yeah. the one about the um the the diggers and things like that. Yeah. You know, it's uh, and 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 you have to because you know that you're going to get a twenty minute sermon in the middle anyway. You know, I I compare going to see Bragg to going to church anyway. <laughs> Because although we may not uh, agree with everything he says, we're on the same kind of wavelength. And you know you're going to get a, a sermon in the middle, as well as lots of singing along. And wine. <laughs> Generally, yeah. About only a very small amount. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Generally not so good on the bread. Um <laughs> Biscuits. Try harder. Jesus biscuits. <laughs> yeah. but so so it's, it's pure comfort for those guys, right? It's, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's preaching to the converted entirely. Yes. Not, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. No, no. But it's um, it's not necessarily an especially progressive thing either, right? Um, well, it depends because you know it might make you think a bit more about maybe going out and actually doing something rather than just drinking and going to Billy Bragg gigs. And you know, I, I think if you were to look at the average level of activism perhaps in the audience is probably higher than the general populace anyway. Mm -hmm. But probably lower than is on stage, for example. Uh, um, well, I mean, I don't know. How but active it, it does states, suggest but. that there's a sort of genre of music which you might call music for activists. Mm -hmm. And that that is actually... I mean, I, I think, you know, obviously we've only got four minutes, so discussing yeah. this genre, <laughs> yeah, which I've only we'll just thought yeah, of. We'll still say this for another. I mean, I mean we, we could I really do, do this forever and ever and ever, because, yeah. I mean, we haven't even begun to talk about things like dance hall and, and other music where we find it musically interesting, but lyrically... Politically retrograde. Yeah. yeah. And retrograde. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> good. That's, that's our after hour, but if we're going to um, fit a bit of Toby in, we better... Um, 
I'm going to play a record that I really like and I find very funny and I have a strained political relationship with. It's called the Taliban song. <laughs> 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 and it's by Toby Keith, of who, who has the reputation for being a uh, right-wing monster but is not wholly a right-wing monster. There you go. We just call it the Taliban song. Someday soon we're both gonna saddle up and 